I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I will be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like football. I like football season and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson, and PFFs. Michael. Mike Renner. I'm back. Welcome back. Do I have to move? I'm covering the Western Southern logo. I just realized. And are we going to get a st- sternly worded email? It's unclear what here. our relationship is with the, the title like sponsor these days. So I yeah. think you're okay. I like okay. it over your shoulder. Oh, that's you actually a good angle right there. Your dashing good looks, though, could distract from the logo. Who knows? But uh, welcome back, Mike. You're here to talk some ball. Because that's what you do now. I'm on my promotional tour. You're on the promotional yes. So when do you hit the, uh, the late night shows? Uh, the, no one watches late night shows anymore. It's all, it's all social media. So I'm just trying to make TikToks promoting that. You know, Aaron Schatz gets out there for the Football Outsiders uh, annual. He gets on to like uh, Seth Meyers and stuff like that. Does he actually? Really? Yeah. Wow. He was on there for that. Huh. They just let him? Just saying. <laughs> I, he, he may have broken in. Yeah. But uh, he was there. See, I feel like is, we need to do more of that. This is the uh, you know the the PR tour, the 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 promotions, you know those lists that we need to get on. We need to get on one of those. So obviously, Mike's Mike's doing it by himself. You know, Mike's his own PR guy. I'm just yeah. sending random DMs. Yeah. Well, I want to. So we want to talk all sorts of football today. We mm-hmm. want to talk NFL. We're going to preview the season with you. Kind of get your whatever takes you're willing to give to us that you're not saving for your new talking ball podcast. <laughs> Uh, maybe even talk a little college football, a little NFL draft, some rookies. We're just going to be all over. We're just going to take the B list takes from from Mike today. Yeah, I okay. mean, you got to save the hottest ones for what's the new show here? It's called Talking Ball. Talking Tell ball. us about it, with Mike Ritter. So it's just me. I'm going solo. Obviously, Austin Gale left to go to the Ringer. The uh, late Austin former. Gale. Yes, we got emails Rest calling him the RP. Yeah, the late Austin Gale. Yeah, we don't talk about him anymore. No. Um, he's dead to me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, even he, though was, he was your first he, show, he still lives in my currently place. your roommate. Uh, yeah, right. currently roommate, but. Um, just me, and it's mainly focused on trying to get as many interviews, longer-form interviews, with great minds around the NFL. We got Luke Fickle early on today's show. Luke Fickle's on. He had some great takes about analytics that made me want to run through a brick wall about how much he buys in to that. Uh, we have Brand Staley on next week, Kevin O'Connell. So a lot of big names, going to be a lot of interesting stuff. How are you the, getting all these big names? DMs. Not me. Wow. Someone else said them. <laughs> That's impressive. We should... We should steal some. Is this on? This is on the RSS for tailgate. So if yes, okay. so if you subscribe tailgate, yeah, you will get that in oh, your smart. Yeah, phone. yeah, yeah. So the people that already like you, they're on. Yeah, they're they still you. they're already there. They just need to fire it back up. That's awesome. Yeah. Check out Talking Ball with Mike Renner. We'll reference it plenty here because promotional tour. Mm-hmm. Where else are you going on your tour? I uh, went on Ari's show. Yeah. I. I'm still working on some other appearances here. <laughs> some blog talk radio. Yeah. Still yeah. some DMs we're waiting but to hear yeah. back from. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. You got some good guests there. That's great. Um, we want to get into all sorts of uh, football action. Sam, though, you want to give a little update on uh, whether or not you can. Do you, think, do you think Sam could throw 60 miles an hour? I don't think you've asked <sighs> that one's t- I, like, You can't just do it like tomorrow. With the lead up, yeah. I think you could. Yeah. It's, not like, it's not like rolling. You don't, wait, where's the lead up? Have you, have you been mm-hmm. practicing? I've, I've thrown things. This is what we're saying. Like, like Renner can like roll out of bed and like knock down some threes, right? You just kind of—it's it's like riding a bike. Muscle throwing, 
even as a 90 plus mile an hour thrower three weeks before spring training i was like building it up i was still in the 80s yeah. and you just yeah. get up to where you need to be like it takes time uh, you gotta and grease the shoulder capsule right yeah. like that's gotta oh yeah grease the shoulder like internal I mean, rotation yeah. of the uh humeral head and all that stuff is crucial and yeah. i don't i don't think you've been putting the time into that you don't how no. do you know i could be yeah. i could be grinding every day the backyard throwing something at the wall. You've been going to the uh, the miles per hour sign on the side of the highway, just, just throwing jumping. at it. Just, yeah. I remember I, I did that once and it capped out at forty five miles an hour, so it just kept showing me forty five, <laughs> and I thought I was a little like, right. I thought right. I had lost it. And he was a high school pitcher throwing in the eighties. Have you ever done that? But it was. Have it you was. ever done that with where you you try and run run past, past it? No, I haven't. See how fast you get? Does it work? Yeah. Oh. I mean, well, it, it works if you're fast enough to trigger it. Yeah. I think you need to be like fifteen or something okay. before it even registers anything. That was the original yeah. NGS. Yeah, like exactly. Getting your, uh, getting your player. We don't need a chip data. in the pads. We just need to run past the uh, the traffic sign and see if we can get it to trigger the radar. Well, give us a little update, Sam, if we're going to get to see this soon. We're at $1,875 on the GoFundMe, which is you'll find a Mike pinned tweet at PFF underscore Sam or the description of this podcast. The money's all going to Needs, Inc. to raise money to provide service dogs for people so that they don't have to be $60,000 of their own money out of pocket. Um Goal is 2500 so we're getting there. We appreciate every donation, big or small, but the closer or the quicker we get to this, the better, because I want to find out if I can hit 60 miles an hour and rub it in your face. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see, see how it goes. Anyway, go check it out. Pin tweet at PFF underscore Sam. Let's get into some, uh, let's get into some talking ball here mm -hmm. with Mike. Um, We've talked a lot about rookies here mm -hmm. on the show, rookies from the preseason and everything. First off, what are you looking for? How much, how much do you try to overreact or not overreact to all of the draft work? You, you're our draft guy here. You've put yeah. all this work in last year. How much does like you know, 30, 40, 50 preseason snaps change your takes on players? I think it does. I think it changed your takes on who's ready week one. You, you know, week one, week two, week three, week four. Who's going to make an impact? Like I don't feel good about Traylon Burks doing anything early on in his career after what we saw that's not to say i'm writing him off entirely but like after what we saw in the preseason i don't think he's gonna be aj brown anytime soon maybe you know second half of the season he might turn it on but i do think it gives you a good handle on who's ready right away and especially at positions like offensive line where you know if you see trevor penning getting cooked and pass protection by backups it's like that's only going to look worse when it's not backups when it's starters so i do think you got to know when you're watching a guy who he's going against the competition level, that's always very important. Is it the ones? Is it the twos? Is it the threes? Which is something that was, you know, very important with Kenny Pickett's eval and him looking great this preseason. Very can, in my opinion, to like when Daniel Jones looked great in his first preseason yeah. and everyone wanted to crown him. And it's like, well, he's doing it against backups and it's a lot of easy stuff and it's a lot of layups and it's a lot of stuff that you know, we already kind of knew from him. But obviously you'd rather perform well than perform poorly. That's yeah. always a good thing. But I do think you got to keep the context of who they're going against. When a guy's looking good with ones, going against ones, that's when you start to really believe um, that early on, early on in their careers, they could be making a big impact. Yeah, to me, it's much more important the bad side of things than the good side. Like a guy playing well yes. in preseason doesn't necessarily mean anything, but a guy playing badly in preseason is a problem. Basically, he's just not going to see the field. You know, yeah. right? If he plays poorly in preseason. Or he is going to see the field, and it's, it's going to be, be even worse. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so that, that, I think, is the bigger thing. You expect all of these guys that you want to see during the regular season to play well in the preseason. And if they don't, that's where you've got issues. And, and I think it's valuable for, like, second, third year, fourth year players, too. Oh, for sure. Like, like yeah. those guys, you can see who's taking the next step. Like, I do think from, like... There's also this weird world now where, you know, there's a bunch of teams that, like, 
numbers one through 30 on the depth chart or on the, the roster, they're not playing like at all. Yeah. The Rams aren't going to put the first 30 guys on their team are not going to see the field in preseason. And most of the next guys are getting cut. But it does mean that there's an absolute ton of playing time for those, you know, numbers sort of the last 20 guys in the yeah. roster. And some of these guys can either win themselves a job for the Rams or put way more tape than anybody else is going to have to catch on somewhere else. Like there's a huge opportunity for some of these guys to play an absolute boatload in preseason and actually show that they deserve a spot where, you know, if they're third on the depth chart in training camp, you're getting a couple of reps here or there. You're not even getting the chance to show that you can do anything. And it's smart, right? Because with your starters, you know, everyone said, oh, if you come out flat week one, didn't play your starters all preseason, maybe catch a little flack in the Packers last year. You know, came out flat week one, obviously didn't matter. They ended up being the one seed in the NFC. So, like, the, the downside of that to me far is so far less than the upside of getting to know your second string and third stringers yep. and what you actually have on your roster, being able to properly evaluate those guys, and then just staying healthy. Like, 17 weeks, like 17 games, excuse me, 18 weeks. Like, guys get hurt. The healthiest teams are the ones that make it far in the playoffs. Like, yeah. getting a guy banged up, having a crucial injury in preseason is the worst thing you could possibly do. I don't care if you're not ready week one. If that guy gets hurt in preseason, he won't play any week. He's not going to play week one anyway. Particularly for the teams that, like, if you are one of those teams that thinks you are a genuine contender, if the one, like, even if worst case scenario, you lose week one because you come out, you're not ready, whatever. That one game should not be determining whether you win or lose, you know, whether you make the playoffs yes. or not. And if you make the playoffs, job done. Like, at mm -hmm. that point, just get to the playoffs, get healthy. And honestly, it shouldn't even matter for seeding. Like, if you expect to win the Super Bowl, if you can't do it on the road once, then what are you doing? Like, you're going to need to beat a good team in the playoffs on the road, probably, if you're going to make the Super Bowl. So... The, the, the week one readiness thing really shouldn't be an issue. Well, the Super Bowl is usually on the road except for the last two years. Yes, <laughs> which is true. Yeah. It, is, it is interesting to me, to me though, because we, we always talk about we work with all 32 NFL teams, and it really is 32 different businesses and different structures and theories and ways of doing things. And it, it kind of looked like the Rams might be the trendsetter. Like other teams are going to just never play. You, it's not just starters. Like you said, Sam, it's top 30 players. Mm. Don't see the field during the preseason but other teams haven't done that you know still there there are teams that still kind of throw their starters out every team has a different strategy here but it's all been calculated right it's all been weighed what do these 20 reps with the ones in a game you know let's weigh that against maybe a few extra practice reps and the injury risk and, and all of that stuff so it is in, it is interesting kind of like seeing the different strategies that teams use um, now coming out of that what I, I like to see the players that are just going to have roles this year so like an Isaiah Likely Mm -hmm. as a tight end in a, in a, in a, on a team that needs tight ends but already has a Mark Andrews. Between training camp reports and then what he did in games, I'm, I think the Ravens have a tight end in Isaiah Likely. I mean, what do you think of him at draft time, and do you see him contributing immediately this year? I was worried that he was going to go to a spot where people were going to ask him to be a traditional tight end, and he's, he's not ever going to be. You know, he's 235 pounds now. Um, was that, we played at like 230 at Coastal Carolina – and for the draft process, he gets up to like 245 and then just lost all his athleticism because it's not good weight. And you put on 10 to 15 pounds of bad weight and you're just not going to be the athlete you once were. Can relate. Steve can attest. Um, wow. Sorry, it came right at you there. But I, I, we can all attest. I mean, we've all done that. I was self-appreciating this segment. Let's get him out of here. <laughs> but it's – but so comes – I think he ran like a 4.8 something at – Ten. His pro day, the which funny is, thing just... is, you know, ten pounds of bad weight for you. It's not even moving the needle. It's a, <laughs> yeah. mar it's a rounding error, you it know. Is. It is. 
But so then, it still looks slim. But was always this unbelievable receiver at Coastal Carolina. Was their top option in the passing game. Um, and so he goes to a spot though where you know everyone thinks Ravens run heavy. Like it's going to be an issue for him. It's like no, because they use tight two tight ends in such a way that. They're move blockers. Like, they're right. pulling across the formation. They're climbing the second level. He's going to be a slot wide receiver there as well in what he does. And so it kind of just, they said, you know, take that weight off. Like, get back down to whatever you feel comfortable at, and we'll play you in a role that's going to be conducive to it. So great, obviously, talent evaluation from the Ravens' perspective. And I think you've seen just the natural receiving ability. And he moves like the tight ends that produce at a high level move. And he broke seven tackles this preseason. It's insane. How, uh, how many rookies have you sort of completely changed your opinion on more on the positive side of things? So we mentioned that uh, Trevor Pennings and the, the way it can go bad. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like the guys like Dak Prescott, where it's, it's obvious immediately that everybody screwed up that evaluation. You know what I mean? In, in training camp preseason, yes. it's like, oh, wow, Dak Prescott's not a fourth round pick. We goofed. The Isaiah Likely one feels like one of those. Romeo Dobbs feels like, again, mm-hmm. he's better than a fourth-round pick. How many of those guys did you see this preseason? Well, I think two of them are on the Packers. I, I would also say Zach Tom. Zach Tom, yeah. And I was, not to my own horn, the PFF draft board was the highest on him of any public-facing draft board that was part of the consensus board. We have him 62nd overall. Obviously, falls to fourth round. But he looks like he's even better than 62nd overall. He was the best pass-protecting rookie tackle this preseason. Just bar none and he was running with ones when he did so so i've changed my tune on him in a positive way cam jurgens the eagle center i mean i, I don't he obviously didn't get a taste of what he can do in pass protection too well but his athleticism his ability to play on the move whenever he takes over jason kelsey he's gonna be legit second round did. center who has some kelsey like yeah traits and right? he was at the back end of our top hundred and in retrospect that was just far too low he's gonna be better than that uh, just looks and it's funny because a lot of people's like only exposure to cam jurgens this preseason was that one viral video clip where he's getting just walked backwards by jordan davis yeah which was kind of like one of the most overrated viral clips i've ever seen but i digress another guy that i think is going to be just lights out is nick cross the center or excuse me safety for the colts his his burst from a standstill was is exceptional i mean for 215 pound safety he can fly he can has as much range as any safety in the nfl right now and just his ability to cover ground so i think the colts got a good one based on the preseason then and then samuel womack the nickel corner for the 49ers he made two unbelievable interceptions another pass breakup he was a cornerback coming out of toledo that you know i'm like he's 180 it's like what are you going to do with that at the nfl level well you know playing the slot's not as big a deal and obviously the 49ers their defense has a predefined slot role so I think he's going to be a player for them that I just, you know, he was outside of the 250 for the PFF draft board. I want to talk about some of those second and third year players as well, maybe that you had talked about, because a lot of players do not hit the ground running as rookies, right? I mean, a lot of our data says, look, you don't even yeah. see what players can do until years two or three. But first, if you haven't heard by now, Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football this summer. We've all been there in fantasy football leagues. It's Sunday morning. You're digging through the news reports, trying to figure out whether to start your stud wide receiver that tweaked his hamstring last week, or you have a player on your team who hasn't been getting into the end zone, and then one week he suddenly goes off for 30 points on your bench. Well, with Underdog Fantasy, all the stress of who's, who to start each week is lifted off your shoulders because it's best ball format. Draft your teams before the season starts and get the best score in your lineup each week. Right now, you can draft an Underdog's Best Ball Mania 3 tournament to take your shot at $10 million in total prizes. Plus, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. Also, if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, 
you get a free PFF subscription. Underdog drafts close just before NFL kickoff. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Play $10 with code PFF and draft your best ball mania team today. So yeah, a lot of, um, if you look at war data and all that stuff, there's a lot of positions, O-line, D-line, where guys don't contribute much as rookies. You talk about tight ends Mm -hmm. a lot, right? I mean, when you're putting the draft board together, how many times have you said, I I don't want to do first-round tight ends unless they're named Kyle Pitts? I don't want first-round tight ends, basically, because they don't do anything for the first, sometimes two years. Are there any of those players that are... Uh, that you're looking forward to seeing that you think might have roles this year or even just preseason action that uh that maybe stood out yeah to hit home that tight end i I actually looked up a stat the other day um two tight ends over 600 yards in the last 13 years as rookies only two cal pitts evan ingram and obviously ingram and the great so like that's it it's not a lot of guys um but guys i was impressed with this preseason honestly cole Komet, i think looks good i I think he has a chance he's going to be the number two option in chicago he's in year three now Yeah, coming in year three Yeah. yeah um very impressed with what he put on tape this preseason obviously down the stretch last year he was kind of building rapport with justin field so i i think he's going to have a big year the one guy i keep coming back to that i liked what i saw from this preseason that not a lot of people want to recognize tua tua looked good yeah this preseason like he he did i think he was like 12 of 15 and, like and one of those was fifth, a drop fifth highest graded quarterback something like yeah that. I, I, he looked legit um another guy that i was really impressed with who i think is going to be and now he was good last year, but I think he's going to join that Pro Bowl elite caliber of the positions, Andrew Thomas. He just yeah. looked all around, no real mistakes on tape. Him and Penny Sewell, uh, both those guys are ready to join like that group of tackles that, you know, maybe they were close, maybe on the fringe last year that they are just lights out. How about, how about both of those guys really starting, really struggling as they started? Yes. Andrew Thomas yeah. had an entire season of struggles. I think he had that one little stretch where it looked better in 2020 mm-hmm. right i know there were technique issues and changes or whatever and then Pinay Sewell was like the laughing stock of twitter um not that that matters at all because twitter's yeah. not real life but think about it. he goes to right tackle and everybody's like oh they should have never drafted a left tackle and moved him to right tackle it's like we'll just give the guy some time and then Pinay Sewell's one of the best right tackles in the league last year and it's kind of what i was speaking to about not overreacting to the preseason you know just because i keep saying trevor penny i don't mean to hammer him because like evan neal didn't look great either but it's like they might struggle early is what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're screwed for life. They're like, sure. It's just first few weeks. Yeah. Like I mean, Penny Sewell, Sewell last year. Sewell's a good example of how even the negative doesn't mean it's, you know, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's curtains. Like Penny Sewell looked awful at right tackle in the preseason last year. Again, not necessarily going up against mm-hmm. the most elite competition. Then they flip him to the left side because Decker gets hurt and all, he looks fine. And yeah. then they move him back to right tackle in the middle of the season. You're like, oh, this arrest is <laughs> a disaster. Yeah. And it's like, no, he's, he's still he's fine. fine. Yeah. Like, he, the preseason meant nothing for him last year when it exactly. looked terrible. We have some breaking news here on the show. Oh, yeah? Russell Wilson yeah. and the Denver Broncos have agreed to a five-year, $245 million extension. Damn. How about those numbers? Five years, $245 million, $165 million guaranteed. Russell Wilson locked up. Almost to like when he's going to be our age. What's he? Thirty three. He's closing 33. in on. Uh, yeah, I think he's thirty three. Did you do? You, do you have a take on on Russ and what he's been the last couple of years? Oof. I, I, the I last think he's, couple of years. What's he going to be in? What's Denver? he going to be? But like, I think last the last couple of years he's looked different. Finger injury or not, has he lost a step? And does that affect his game? You out here trying to fat shame I, I Russell think, Wilson again? I think he has lost a step. Like he relied so much on scrambling at points in his career that. He's just not going to be able to do it that much. Now it takes him from like 
what was a top five QB back, you know, 2016, 2017 to still a top 10 QB. Yeah. Because, I mean, the arm's still there. He still takes care of the football. Um, and, and, I'm, and obviously, after the thumb injury, he was bad. There's no sugarcoating. Like, he sucked down the stretch last year. Mm-hmm. But that was after a thumb injury that he came back from way too soon by all doctor's accounts besides Russell Wilson. And yeah, whatever I mean, the hell's going on there. Russ had the mental reps going, though. He was ready. Yeah. Mm. He was ready mentally. The more and more we see these deals, right, as we thought at the time, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, they looking like steals. I think the Chiefs have something baked in where it's like, hey, Patrick, you know, somebody's going to make more money than you, but we'll start, we'll start throwing money your way, too. Don't worry. Yeah, I mean, they also, like, that deal was sort of set up to restructure every year where it just gets the check, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not like even... Yeah, but it doesn't... But restructuring just changes the cash flow, not yeah, the... Yeah, but it gives them a giant sum of cash in a you know big nice lump it's like a dividend you know except it's a dividend for 50 million dollars every year he gets his own pm15 uh was it uh workout facility right next to the stadium was was tv12 was remember that's what he had with the patriots was yeah, like yeah. his own well, partnership comes with up with his the own patriots. Uh, workout yeah. program you know but the thing with Mahomes is okay yeah you at some point you could agitate and get you know more money and a bigger deal and all those kinds of things but like part of the purpose of signing a decade-long half-billion-dollar deal is, yeah, like it, it, the longer it goes on, the more team-friendly it's going to be, but that's kind of the point because you're going to end up with that Tom Brady thing of you are paying for that extra slot receiver that you're going to need at some point, right? It's, it's deliberately designed to be slightly team-friendly, which is ultimately to your benefit as well if you're interested in your legacy. Like, once you're at the half-a-billion-dollar stage, what does the next 50 million matter? Well, it's because, yeah, like the winning at some point pays for itself in endorsements and goodwill in public. Like Kirk Cousins ain't getting any. I mean, he may get, he may get paid every single year, but he ain't on State Farm commercials. And also at some point, it's the purpose of all this, right? Like how much money do you need? Part of what makes Tom Brady Tom Brady is the, the, yeah. the, the fistful of rings on either hand. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's no purpose in just squeezing every last cent out of your career if you're going to, you know, you're going to go down as an all-time great, but you have one ring. I think you're missing the point a little bit, though, because you like to be in the, the head of billionaires, right? That's like one of your favorite things to do. Uh-huh. They, they look at scorecards. Yeah. Who are the other billionaires? Can I have more billionaires than got, this other billionaire? But and, the most but, efficient but way. they have different aspirations, right? Like the, the, the average human's like, what are you going to do with 50 million? I'm going to buy my car and my house and I'm happy, right? But like people at that level, like how do I own an NFL team? Yeah, but at that level, the most efficient way of making more money is not the next $10 million you're going to squeeze out of the Kansas City Chiefs. It's, yeah, what, it. it's taking the money that they've already given you buying 17 franchises of something else and flipping that into 10 you know 10x your investment like Mahomes has already got more than enough cash to do that and he has been doing that you look at the amount of crap he's bought a share of since signing that deal he doesn't need the the 10 million dollar escalator you know four years into it he's already massively inflating that sum of cash I get it. I understand. Any other uh any other players that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, I'll throw out a few defensive guys yeah. because I thought Zayvon Collins probably had like three or four more impressive plays in preseason than his entire rookie career, mm-hmm. rookie season for first Cardinals. Seasons, really? yeah. yeah. So uh, I was impressed with him. Think he may be taking the next step. And obviously they have like different role for Isaiah Simmons this year than what they've used his first couple of years. So excited about that. I thought Jeffrey Okuda looked kind of like the guy we expected coming yeah. out of OSU. I mean, he was physical at the line. Now, obviously the fact that he's playing preseason and kind of had to play for his job is a little bit concerning, but 
I was impressed with what he put on tape. And then the guy that I'm like quietly optimistic about, but not holding my breath for was Jonathan Abram. New role, obviously doing a little less in coverage. They had him blitzing a lot more than he ever did last year. Had him, you know, running downhill a lot more than he did kind of in that static uh, Gus Bradley scheme that they were running last year. So quietly optimistic, not holding my breath though, because of how bad his tape's been. He, first he was always, he was a strong safety whose best work at Mississippi State was basically blitzing. Like he had that just one game straight, he had yeah. like seven or eight pressures and was just creating havoc. I, I know those things pop on tape and they feel they feel good, but it's like it's really tough to draft a safety. Like even Jamal Adams, who who's he's still a good player. I mean mm-hmm. he's a very, very good player. But when you put him, he played more Jamal Adams played more free safety last year than ever in his career and he had the lowest grade of his career. It's like you have to put those guys into position to succeed. So with Abram and the Raiders, maybe it's I I you know, salvage. I kind of quietly confident about what Zayvon Collins is going to be the linebacker in Arizona. Like he barely played as a rookie, and it it felt kind of, well. I think part of it was because he it was you know my week one with Isaiah Simmons in his rookie season. Kyle Shanahan just painted a bullseye on him and torched him mm-hmm. you know for a couple of big plays, and it seemed like that completely changed how the Cardinals had planned to deploy him year one. It was like oh wow he actually can't do this right away. We're going to need to scale this way back. Zayvon Collins felt like he got that when they I think they played um, Cam Newton and he had like two two bad plays in a in a handful but they were the kind of bad plays where it's like you did the right thing it's just that Cam Newton is Cam Newton and mm-hmm. sometimes you're not able to deal with that and that was like okay you're to the bench you're not playing anymore but every time you saw him play he plays the run differently to these other linebackers he reads it really quickly he fills the right gap very fast once he's there he's a big body and difficult to get past it always felt like he probably deserved more playing time than he got um and i don't think he was out of you know out of his depth in terms of coverage either so you know year two with that kind of time to develop and learn i I think he might be really good this year i want to get into some nfl draft discussion but first to all the gentlemen out there all men strive for gold in their life right Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. You heard this before, Sam. However, there's a certain type of man who goes the extra mile. He walks with the confidence of an eagle and giggles in the face of danger. He's a big hairless winning machine. And when he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. That's right. Manscaped would like to introduce you to their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet, the Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped is the leader in below-the-waist grooming. Now trust them with the whole shebang. They'll join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. For 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they've ever offered, giving you a bulk discount on Manscaped's top products. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscapes.com. It's 20% off free shipping. Manscapes.com. Use the code PFF. It's time you enjoy the finer things in life and get yourself a Platinum Package for your Platinum Package. Well done, mm. as always. Mm-hmm. Top notch. Perfect. Top notch. Manscaped. Not me. Manscaped, of course. Um, here's the thing, Michael. Last year at this time, we had no idea who might get drafted near the top of the NFL draft. And it turned. It, I, I feel like that uncertainty mm-hmm. ended up showing up on draft day, even though we all talked ourselves into, okay, there's five potential first rounders because all the quarterbacks always go high. The fact that last year at this time, it was like we're talking about Spencer Rattler and Whoever else. Sam Howell, yeah. Sam Howell. And Howell gets worse, and Kenny Pickett comes out of nowhere and all this stuff. This year, I think there's more, you know, true top ten type of prospects. But 
there's also like 15 guys. I, I feel like I'm hearing 15 names of players who scouts like this whole like I wouldn't be surprised if you see a Joe Burrow breakout or a Kyle Murray <laughs> breakout or a Mitch Trubisky breakout. I know you get that every yeah. year, right? Like everybody wants to be ahead of it. Oh, I said this in August about 20 guys, but aren't there a lot of names as far as draftable quarterbacks for this year? There are, and I will say though, if Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Alabama and Ohio State quarterbacks, Will Anderson, Alabama Edge, and Georgia's Jalen Carter. If they're not top five picks, I'll be surprised. Like it's the first like year going in that there were that many guys where it's just they could take the year off. They could opt out. Bryce Young? You think Bryce Young's that good? I mean, he's I he's, do. he's is he taller than Tua? I don't think so. Like, or is he going to get picked apart from a size standpoint? If, if he just spent kind of what, all fall big, in the weight room, it'd probably be better than first draft stock then. If what? If he just spent all fall in the weight room. Yeah. And he's like 195. I mean, he doesn't have the same kind of arm and tools that, say, like a Baker did at that size, right? Didn't that offset? He's got a pretty big arm. Yeah. I will say. And he works the middle field really well. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. But th- there is then after that, those two, Anthony Richardson from Florida. He, everyone's like, oh, you know, we haven't really seen much of him. If he breaks out. That's he, just a guess, though. One. He's, that one's he a guess, is an yeah. incredible athlete who does not, he does not throw the ball yeah, well right Future now. pro ball tight end. Yeah, what do you Florida think about Florida legacy? being quarterback to tight end you? I think they've established a type. <laughs> from, uh, pipeline. You've got uh, Cornelius Ingram, Trey yeah. Burton. Uh, Cam Newton didn't make the move. That's true. Um, yeah. Who's the other? Tim Tebow. So Tim Tebow did. Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks. Jeff Driscoll took tight end reps a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And there's one. Who else was, was really? Uh, Jordan Reed was mm. a quarterback in Florida. So is Anthony Richardson the next quarterback to tie in for Florida? Anyway, I, I just that's like a massive projection, though. Yeah, it's, oh, like it's such massive. throws on tape. And he's played six games or something. So, yeah. yeah, that one's huge projection. I think Tyler Van Dyke, the Miami quarterback, is a massive projection, but, like, big arm. Yeah, you see the you see the you tools see it. there. Uh, yep. Will Levis, Kentucky quarterback. Not as much of a projection as the other guys. I think he played well last year, and, like, he can run for real, too, as well. But he's a guy, if he balls out without, you know, without Wandale, without as much talent around him this year, sure, he's going to be in that top five mix. Like, there's guys that are that talented. I throw Tanner McKee in there, the Stanford quarterback, with just, like, guys who have tools that get drafted in the top five if they play good football. So, yeah, it's, it a just, it's, a, it's a real quarterback class next year. It just feels like there's a lot of those types mm-hmm. around, uh, around college football this year. How did you – did preseason change your opinion of any of the rookie quarterbacks this year? So, you talked about Pickett. He, I was impressed. I, the point you make is a good one in terms of, hey, look who he was doing this against. But to me, it was more important what he was doing than how well he was doing it. Like the fa- it, it seemed like my biggest concern with him was how slow his process is across the board. Like the, the average time to throw he had at college was glacial. That usually gets slower at the next level. Pittsburgh's offensive line kind of stinks. If you play at that speed at the NFL as a rookie, you're going to get murdered. And it felt like whether this is coincidence or this is just how it worked, he went out there with the express purpose of showing that he can help operate much quicker than that and did and was efficient doing it. And that doesn't mean he's going to be amazing, but it means at the very minimum you're looking at that and saying, okay, that's no longer a reason to keep him on the bench. That's, I mean, literally all, everything you said, I echo. I think I said it on the last pod. I, I'm not saying he's going to be great. But he's the only rookie quarterback who my opinion really changed on, which my opinion was, I don't think he's ready to start right away. Yeah. And now my opinion is, no reason for him not to start. Now, if Mitch Trubisky, if he played well, whatever, this preseason, fine, go ahead and start him. 
but I do not think Kenny Pickett's not ready for But that's now the determining factor about when he plays. Yes. It's like whenever Trubisky plays his way to the bench, Pickett's in immediately. Exactly. Like there's no longer a, uh-oh, he's not ready. We're going to have to hold on for a while. Whereas the rest of the other guys, whether it's Malik Willis, it's like if you just found out Malik Willis could run in preseason, you didn't watch his college day. <laughs> you know, if you just found out that Sam Howell is like tough in preseason, you didn't watch his college day. And if you found out like Desmond Ritter has like a big arm and is toolsy and like does a lot of the little things in quarterback position well, again, you didn't watch college day. Like those were all things in college. I don't think anyone played really above, went above and beyond in terms of expectations. And when, and, Truthfully, I don't think all three I would probably start right now for their respective teams. It, it felt like Malik Willis hurt Traylon Burks during this preseason. So, you know, after two games, Burks had one catch for four yards or something. But in both game, in both those games, he was open behind the defense. And at the point where the ball should have been in the air, Malik Willis was doing Malik Willis things and not throwing him the ball. Same thing happened in the last game. They force-fed him a little bit more. You could see... You know, the athleticism, the stuff that was on tape when you first watched him, it's like, wow, this guy is an athletic freak. The reason we thought he might run like a 4-3 or whatever, that looks obvious. And, okay, there's still work to do in terms of polish and being a complete receiver and stuff. But it feels to me like there is a role for him in the first-team offense that makes him a threat consistently. And it's a much bigger threat with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback than it is with Malik Willis there. Yeah, I agree. And it's like him or Nick Westbrook, Akina, you know, like, yeah, you got to know what you get with Westbrook Kina, and it's not going to be. The, hey, I was the, there in person. I saw Westbrook Kina play well, so I'm now in person. Okay. He impressed me in person, right. so I like him now. So there you go. Um, any other sleeper type of quarterbacks? I mean, again, just like names that have been thrown around. Do we do we give up on Spencer Rattler now that he's going to South Carolina? Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Um, DJ. I mean, you that's still- the one I'm excited to see this year. If there's any like off the radar that's really getting yeah. no draft buzz, because as far as arm strength goes, he's he, he, like he rivals Josh Allen. I mean, the guy has got an unreal cannon. Like that ball just flies out of his hand. And I, I'll put like Anthony Richardson in that conversation too. I think Richardson's got that big of an arm um, to where, man, no one goes backwards the way he did in his college career. No one yeah. starts as a freshman, looks good, and then not only doesn't look good as a sophomore, like sucks. No sugarcoating. It was a detriment to Clemson's roster as, you know, five-star number one overall quarterback recruit with a great freshman year. So something else is going on there that's not talent-related. It is, you know, between the ears. Really. Uyagalale was like the number three uh, favorite for the Heisman last year mm-hmm. at this time, which c- kind of goes into the danger of projections. But people weren't wrong to have him there because he, sh- like you said, he had a good freshman year. He steps in at Notre Dame, you know, for Trevor Lawrence and has the big win. He's got the tools and all this stuff, right? Did they win at Notre Dame? They won, right? No, that Notre Dame beat him. They lost, but they had a good game. And then that's Trevor Lawrence beat him in the that's what it was. Championship. But he had a good game. It was like he hey, did have this, a good game. You know, this yeah, freshman went for like four hundred yards. Yes, this yeah. freshman's having a good game. Our own George Shahari even called him the third best uh, quarterback in the nation. Mm-hmm. George, who doesn't watch any college football, still mm-hmm. declared that. So you know he's good. So yeah, it is. That is a fascinating thing. And, and look, off season mock draft time, things are all over the place. So think about how many people had you know the great Christian Hackenberg in the first in the first round leading into his final season he had so, same year about very similar years to dj too yeah so. i mean it was it was painful watching clemson's offense last year but i think those dj and spencer rattler and, and all of these guys 
like they're still talented guys. They're still talented enough that people saw them as top prospects at one point. But we know there's so much more than just tools and, and a couple of good throws. So that that is why I am excited about this college football season because I do think the the, the uh, uncertainty at quarterback is is unbelievable. Like it is huge, and it, it, we're going to learn some stuff. Like somebody's going to break out. Um, and, and even in these first couple of weeks, like Joe Burrow looked like a first round pick within by week two yes. of, his, of his last season. That That's stuff happens. Um, so like these next couple of weeks, there's we're going to be looking at, OK, this guy's the prspect or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, what, what else from like a draft perspective? Or do you have anything? Well, so, you know, we, a lot of people complain every now and again that the NFL should be able to step in like fantasy football GMs and veto trades that are clearly too lopsided. Do you think, though, that they should have stepped in and vetoed the Vikings-Eagles trade for Jalen Rager because it's bullying? <laughs> this is great. Because at this point, we're victimizing Jalen yeah. Rager, and it's not fair. And in this society, in this time and age, we shouldn't be doing this to the man. It really is. Like, if he, he needed a new start, whatever, that was pretty clear. Not there, though. <laughs> like, not looking at the guy who was drafted ahead, put up 1,700 yards in a season. <laughs> While he, I mean, it was bad enough comparing him when they're you know time zones apart. Now he's yeah. going to go one rep later after Justin Jefferson has just like annihilated a cornerback and scored a touchdown. Rager's going to face plant on his break and just lie on the ground as the ball flies over his head. I mean, come I on. I could see it being motivating though. He's like, hey, you know, I got to prove why. And obviously, he's never going to be better than Justin Jefferson, you, but like, I got to prove why I was drafted. Did you see the video of him on the sideline theragunning his face? During one during a preseason it's game, not, red flag. I I think it, it probably is. feels good though. I mean, those stereo guns feel good no matter where I've. I don't not on a, bone. That doesn't feel good on not bone. On the skull. I don't. I don't think that would be good. I, it is kind of like I've like hit, <laughs> yeah, I've hit in my bones before, and it kind of like it's it vibrates your body. I don't know. It's I don't it's, know. It's, it's like it. Body is different to brain. Yeah, you know, you probably shouldn't be vibrate. You vibrate your brain enough in football as is. Yeah. So I think they're trying to legislate that out the game. Yeah, you're trying to trying to get rid of that. What do we miss on Rager? In general, what did the NFL miss on Rager? He's so explosive. I, I do think I, I've just gone away from raw wide receivers. Yeah, it's not worth it. it it's there's such, so it's, many of those guys now in recent times where you're like the pieces are there for them to be really good, but they ran three routes in college, yeah. and it just doesn't. Remember, like Corey uh, Corey Coleman. Coleman. Now, okay, yeah. yeah, it's always more complicated because a lot of these guys, like Corey Coleman. You know, there's a lot mentally going on there in addition to the fact that he ran this mm-hmm. Spartan route tree and wasn't a polished receiver. But And that complicates the eval. But all these guys that you liked because they were athletic, they had the, the ability, but they worked in a college offense that just does not relate in any way, shape, or form to the NFL. And as good as the NFL has gotten at adapting their offense to sort of quarterbacks maybe, they still suck at just using receivers that yeah. are bit part players. There's so few teams that are willing to take a guy who can only do two things and just let him do the two things. The Saints are really good at it. We saw it with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas in year one ran like three routes. But they were like, okay, run three routes, and then we'll work on the other stuff, and eventually <laughs> you'll be able to run everything, and then you'll be great. The Seahawks with DK Metcalf, they didn't ask him to do the stuff that he sucks at. So... But most teams don't. Most teams are like, no, you're a wide receiver. You go out there. This is what you run. And if you're bad at it, you're just going to wash out and you're not going to be successful. It, yeah. I was, um, it's not name dropping, but I was talking to an NFL GM the other day. Well, it's certainly not name dropping if you don't drop, Didn't your drop name. the name. Yeah. But I was talking to one the other day. You're supposed to do that smoothly. Talking to a GM and his right hand guy, you know, a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought this was just like a PFF thing. You know, sometimes we, we look at receivers as like, wow, there's so many good receivers, right? There's 20 good receivers this year. Who, mm-hmm. who knows who, who they are? Like, how do you sort them out? And he was saying their scouts are doing the same thing. And, and, and basically saying they're, the scouting bias of it's so much easier to say, look at all these positive things that this guy did. Look at these eight plays. Look at these 10 plays that this receiver yeah. did. Look what he can do. And and then it, and he was like, he was basically saying, scouts were telling me there's 20 good receivers and there's and there's three good corners. And, and because corner is just a negatively driven play, right? You're going to have so few positive plays as a corner. It's tough to like process that and everything. And sometimes that shows up in our data um, because it, and I thought it might be a data thing, but it really is this like scouting and perception thing. What are your thoughts on that with, there's a plethora of seemingly good receivers coming from college but they don't always transition to the NFL. I do think, kind of like to Sam's point, they can be put in a role in college that's conducive to them producing. But that's not really a thing in the NFL. I mean, Traylon Burks, great example, yes. right? Look at what he was doing in college. That role does not exist in any offense in the NFL. Yeah. And they, are, I'm not, this isn't even a criticism. Arkansas did a great job of saying, we have the best athlete on the field any given week. We're going to get the ball in his hands every possible way we can. We're going to line him up literally in every position on offense except the offensive line and get the ball in his hands. NFL teams are just not doing that for anybody. Yeah. It's like, so if you're, you know, you keep saying, what can you do? Focus on what can you do? If at the wide receiver position, your what can you do doesn't include being able to separate at a high level eight plus yards down the football field you're not valuable at the nfl yeah you know like if it's oh he can you know take a screen of the house that that how many times do guys take screens of the house in the nfl right you know one good count on one time the amount of times the, the entire season that guys do that you know he can he can run a good slant well it's like one step slants that's our stuff it's underneath completely underneath route tree some guys get by in it there's so few they can count them on one hand it's just you got to be able to separate down the football field or else you're not you 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 are a liability in your receiving core i I just thought it was a fascinating discussion to kind of hear that from the from the draft room so to speak that uh, some of their like i feel like that's a pain point for me when i'm evaluating like i want to love all these receivers and i only like a few corners and it, and it kind of is this this um, scouting issue because of how things kind of translate yeah. in your brain. But it also happens with our data, too, because it's easy to pull out good data on receivers and bad data maybe on cornerbacks. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly and now everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion you get up seven you win bet on any NFL team of your choice and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game you get paid instantly even if your team loses DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game that's code PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. In New York, it's 877-8-467-369. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as $825 free bets. From now on, we have the guests read the terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. Is that a rule? Can I make that a rule? We should one day. I have my mine pre-read. You just insert it. Yeah. One day we should call one of those numbers just to find out what's at the other end. Yeah. 
the Tennessee red line. report to people. Yeah, the Tennessee red line feels like one that would be fun to call. Again, I just want to know, like, why is ten- why does why does Tennessee feel like no, we got this. We can't go with one eight hundred gambler. We got to do this ourselves. I told you. Can we federalize one eight hundred gambler, please? If not for the, I mean, if you can do that, then I could talk more about DraftKings and less about the terms and conditions. That's government overreach, Steve. We can't have that. Not in this freedom-loving country. It's the one place where I'll let them intrude. States rights. All right, so let's go. <laughs> let's go. What, what about the rest of the draft? I always like to, to get that high-level draft view. Where are the strengths? Where are the weaknesses? And, and any other maybe uh, players to watch this college football season? It's it's opening day. Week one starts mm. tonight. Mm. Defense staff class. You're gonna love this. For best defense staff class since 2019, right? Is that Dexter Lawrence at Oliver class. Dexter Lawrence yeah. at Oliver. Quinnen. So Quinnen, this yes. DT class is for real. You got two guys in the top 10, two more in the top 20. Jalen Carter, I've mentioned the Georgia defense tackle. Brian Brzee, who was the number one overall recruit at Clemson towards ACL last year. We'll see how he comes back. Uh, Jaqueline Roy, LSU DT. Siaki, Siaki Ika, the Baylor DT, who's 350. You'll love his tape. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, the model seems to like him so far. Too. Got, and Gervon Dexter, model. Florida, Florida DT. Top 26 Jordan overall Dexter. player. Yeah. The, um, so. the Clemson D-line Oof. looks like it's similar to that Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, like when they were loaded across the board. Yeah, it, it's pretty close. I, I could see them having, you know, two guys drafted. So that was what? Cleveland somehow went fourth. And then Christian <laughs> Wilkins went like 13th. Furl was Dexter, the third best player there. 19th or something. Yeah. I could see them having two guys go high, like high. And then maybe their third who's like can't pronounce his name i'm not even gonna try it's the Okahora or whatever guy uh he might go in like the third or fourth round tyler davis might go third or fourth round so it, it's a really talented defensive line that's why i'm like high on clemson despite dj being dj i love when that comes together in college every now and again where just like the recruiting just kind of meshes in like this one year it's like wow this D, like we're like seven deep on the d line i mean that was Georgia and, and they got xavier thomas still yeah he's that, still you kicking loved around him as a freshman oh, and he just he was never, so good never he was progressed. on that he was on that line with He's injured Berlin. early on here. Yeah. Uh, Going to miss early in the season here for Clemson. But that's uh, – Clemson, I think they play, what, um, Sunday or Monday night against Georgia Tech? And uh, I'll be watching that D-line because they look loaded there. So the first good interior defensive line class in years, mm-hmm. it was one of those things we've been asking for a while, is this like a trend in college football because they just don't – They haven't produced much. They're not breeding these interior defensive linemen, but that's good to see that um, – that, that group somebody uh in the chat james rogan brought up the idea of nil um i'm curious mike how do you think that this new world of name image and likeness the idea that college kids can earn money mm-hmm. you know from themselves how do you think that's going to change the draft i am very curious after last year's quarterback class and how that worked out to where you know sam howell is making less right now than he would have if he would have transferred from north carolina um Truly is Malik yeah. Willis probably too. Like they, like the top end quarterbacks in college football are probably worth five to ten million dollars in one year for a program, which is like more than unless you're getting drafted in the first two rounds. Yeah, essentially, exactly. Uh, um, yeah, not even not even second, probably not round. even like second. Probably first yeah, round. Like you at least a, second, you know, the, you can add some other stuff to it. If but, you don't get a surefire one grade from the NFL, but you're a good good college quarterback. It doesn't behoove you to jump to the NFL. And I think running backs, too. We're going to see that. Running backs at the collegiate level. Oh, my gosh. They're going to make way more. Might start getting paid oh, more than they would absolutely in the NFL. So yeah. I, I do think those positions, you may very well see guys, whether it's, you know, 
Bijan Robinson, and we've already seen a good deal of running back movement. Which is the exact, it's funny, because that's the exact opposite of the usual track for a running back, which is you're a super athlete, you're the best player in your team in college, you jump as fast as humanly possible, because the NFL career is short, you're at your best when you're young, you know, as young as you can get, you've got to get that money now, whereas really, you're you're going to get the same money in college, if not more, mm-hmm. and you're going up against worse athletes. Stay the hell in college all the way, as long as you can. Take the fifth year off. You know, stay as long as you can possibly be in college because you're going up against guys that are you know nowhere near your level. And the thing is, like, they're more valuable there. Like they're they're yeah. at their peak value. Yeah, at a collegiate level where they can truly transcend their offensive lines. Yeah. So we 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 try to explain that too running backs matter less at the nfl level because the talent level is so much higher the lower level you go in football the more important running backs are Mm -hmm. and and it's i love that because it's intuitive it makes sense to me but like even our wins above replacement numbers our wins above average numbers show that like a win like you can add to your team as a running back even just using advanced metrics so running back is more valuable there um so maybe it makes college football better mike if you're gonna keep better players around because I, I think the the initial it's, reaction for people is like, oh, it's going to make it worse. Alabama's going to get stronger, which I do think is an issue, maybe. But maybe you have better players stick around longer. Well, yeah, I was going to say, to a degree, because it's Alabama that's paying these guys that money. You know, it's Jameer Gibbs transferring from Georgia Tech oh, to Alabama that to make a bag that's like, yeah, the better players are staying, but they're staying at the better schools. But Jackson so State is throwing money around. It is everything. consolidating. Yeah, but the other the thing, it's not pool, like <laughs> the problem with that sort of argument of oh, it's going to create. You know, it's not like there was this egalitarian landscape where anybody could win it anyway. Like the same four teams are in the college football playoffs every year anyway. Well, the yeah. way it was like I we're mean, not that, we're not taking a perfectly democratized system where anybody can show up one year, go on a perfect record, and make the playoffs. Like. Those teams weren't making it anyway. Yeah, but that was like a new construct too. Like the, the playoff itself sure. kind of did its best to consolidate that talent because teams want to go to the teams that are in the playoff because it basically made every other bowl not, not, not to say they're meaningless, but like made every other bowl have less cachet and not nearly as much, you know, draw, draw as it did in the past when you know you winning your conference meant a lot now winning your conference is just a stepping stone like people don't care if they win the big 10 they care if they win national championships right yeah i mean there's definitely a, a traditional college football fan in me that kind of wishes that the playoff wasn't so emphasized in everything because mm-hmm. even like it's just it's what people talk about it's what espn talks about every single week and it's like oh congratulations you won the rose Bowl, but you missed the playoff so sorry it's a bad season for you mm-hmm. whoever you know won the rose Bowl and didn't make the playoff um, but I don't know. We'll see. The, 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 I hate talking about conference realignment and all that stuff, but I do think we're getting into this world of mega conferences, and I think we'll have better matchups, right? Like you're going to start seeing Texas and Alabama every year, and, and you're going to start seeing these matchups of high-end players, and maybe fewer guys end up going to the NFL, and maybe there's a trickle down to NFL veterans, right? I mean, NFL veterans have been negotiating for more money. You know, you know when you start negotiating for more money, and then your employers start to say, well, now you're too much money. And now the veterans start to get pushed out by the younger players. Maybe we'll start to see more of those six, seven, eight-year veterans you know, sticking around. The Henry Andersons of the world will have more jobs when they're six, seven, eight years into that that's career. What that's all we're shooting for. Anything else around the, um, the draft landscape, Mike? Yeah, this running back class is 
I know we can't talk running backs. Is Bijan going to go like top 10, though? Is he going to be so tantalizing that somebody wants him in the top 10 again? I don't know. Let's see. Because there hasn't been one out of a job. I'm trying to think of like GMs that we can say would draft. Balky would grab him. Jaguars will will be drafting top 10. They just draft one, but like that's too much talent to pass up if you're Trent Balky. I don't think he goes top 10. I do think he goes first round, though. Um, There's, but. It's kind of the. It might honestly the fact that such a good running back class hurt him in that regard, because yeah, you know, is the difference between him and Zach Evans, the Ole Miss TCU transfer, is, is he good? Is it that big that like you're gonna draft one top ten in the other second round? I would say no. And again, fell kind of coming around the idea that that's probably craziness. So um, yeah, it's very good though. I, the amount of running backs I put, I'm just counting them up right now. I think there's ten in the top hundred. And oh, I don't even like, and that's and with, you don't like running with the pushing down of yeah. running backs to begin with. Like, there's probably now. Actually, I like this past year's running back class in terms of the top end talent, but there's all ten of those guys would have been RB three in the last class. Yeah, you know, interesting. At so, least at the worst, because that's the thing. I think we wanted to make this grand statement after Saquon Barkley goes to you have what Travis Etienne, you had. Najee Harris like you had a few first rounders or whatever the last couple of years but it was like oh yeah teams are getting smarter there's no running backs in the top 10 but there was no real top 10 backs yeah running back talent we got to test it again I'm excited to see this is what the class of 2017 with Dalvin and Fournette and McCaffrey and those guys yeah so you know what's interesting though 2018 actually had the most running backs drafted in the top 50 oh that's right of yeah. any draft since the turn of the century so that Joe, was Michelle Rashad Penny yeah yeah um Saquon, right? And Chubb and Michelle. Chubb, Michelle, um, Kareem Hunt. Carry on Johnson. Carry on Johnson. Carry on was in there. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Um, Weird class. Teams I, still value running backs. Like, they still yeah. look at drop-offs and tiers. Mm-hmm. I feel like they focus more on the tier aspect of it because they, 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 they start runs in the draft. There's no better argument for it, the fact that teams still value running backs than Kyle Shanahan keeps swinging for high, high-ish round running backs. Like, of all the humans in the world – Kyle Shanahan should be never spend anything on a running back. I will pick a dude up off the street after the draft and we will turn him into a 1500 yard back. Don't worry about it. And yet he's the guy that consistently goes, no second round talent, like big two twenty pounds fast. Get him, grab him, grab him now. And his father. (laughs) And his father. father. Their best running backs. You know, Alfred Morris, UDFA. I mean, even in San Francisco, Elijah Mitchell, six rounder. Terrell Davis. You can kind of see why though. Terrell Davis screws it up a little bit, but like the difference between Mike Anderson and Clinton Portis is why they do that. Because yeah, we can get production out of anybody. Like Mm -hmm. Mike Anderson, Alandis Gary, whatever. Plug anybody in there. The dude will go for a thousand yards. He'll get four and a half yards of carry and everything's golden. But if I get Clinton Portis back there and that dude is just insane, then I can flip him for Champ Bailey down the line because I've turned him into a god. Like, I mean, that's, that's why they do it. That's what I was going to say. Like, even, even the Ravens. who we Wait, know, wasn't that the opposite way? They traded Champ Bailey for <laughs> yeah. Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis. They won. Yeah. It wasn't Shanahan with Denver, though. Shanahan yeah. with Denver, yes. So they uh, traded away Clinton tra- Portis to get Champ Bailey. That's true. Oh, it was. Yeah, okay. yeah. That was, that's right. My bad. But he, but I think they do. Like, like what the hell? <laughs> there's not advanced math. I'm not saying that's what they didn't do it yeah. to trade him. But yeah. I'm saying like they, they were able to trade. They were able to turn Clinton Portis within yeah. that offense into a value asset as big yeah. as the number one corner in the NFL, because that's the difference between Portis 
and Mike Anderson or Orlando's Gary, whoever else they plug back there. I was just going to say, though, even the Ravens, who we, you know, people say, oh, nobody ever criticizes the Ravens. Every move must be good. They drafted J.K. Dobbins in the second round because I think they're doing Same thing. the simple math. It's not advanced math, but like if I can get five yards per carry out of Gus Edwards, J.K. might be able to average six yards a pop in this offense. Like legitimately Jamal Charles-esque yards per carry just because he's got some speed and we're going to create some room for him. So a run-heavy team can can kind of talk themselves into yeah. that. Now, there's an argument to say that every single one of these attempts at doing that, like maybe since Clinton Portis, hasn't worked. And maybe they should stop doing that. No, I get it. But at I... least you can point, there's logic there that says that, yeah, look, you can get production out of anybody, but the difference in production between just a random stooge I plug back there and a dude that's legitimately elite is valuable to this team. And that's why we keep rolling that dice. It just hasn't worked for a lot of people. That was like the Zeke argument. Yeah. But then, like, in retrospect, you'd still rather have Jalen Richardson. Yeah, I mean, like, every, every move seems to be saying, okay, maybe you should stop doing that, but you can at least see the argument of why they're doing it. I have some NFL questions I want, I want you to answer, Oh, okay, Mike. Go, go, Sam. Number one, why are the Baltimore Ravens unbeatable in preseason? <laughs> uh, they, they scout well, is what I think it is. They have, like, the best back end of the roster of anyone. But shouldn't that, like, therefore, translate to, like, when they get a slew of injuries like last year, they shouldn't suck? I mean, they. I mean, they were competitive, right? Like they, they sure, they had they an insane version away from yeah. two wins. You know, I mean, that's their slew of injuries was also the quarterback position, both cornerbacks, and like how are you gonna exactly? Yeah, yeah. But they, uh, I mean, they're left tackle. literally two plays away from winning ten instead of eight, yeah. right, or whatever they want. All right, that's fine. That's fine. And it's so, the same reason so why they up. like lead the league compensatory picks and are still good is because you know they scout well into the later rounds. And identify talent better than, you know, as good as you possibly can in the NFL. As good as anyone has in the NFL. Okay, question number two. Did Baker Mayfield, in fact, say that he was going to fuck up the Browns, which he has since denied? Uh, And will he, in fact? Uh, He he definitely said it. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not that exactly. So how was this reported? Cynthia, Cynthia Freeland, reported it. Cynthia Freeland was on a podcast or a show of some kind because she was doing the sideline, the oh, sideline yeah, gig. Yeah, and she had been talking to Baker. I think this was a game that he didn't play or that he played already and was sort of chilling on the sideline. And she was talking to him, and at the end of it, was kind of like, "Hey, good luck against the Browns in Week One." And she said that he said he was going to bleep them up. Hmm. Was her reporting of this which has been translated to even if he didn't say it to her he said it to somebody at some point well my point was like that feels like it's quite an off the record comment that was just sort of thrown you know uh, let me tell you what baker told me off the record yeah uh which he since been i didn't say people are gonna make up done it the way i did some unnamed i don't want to name names but a quarterback who's starting (laughs) the browns in week one said this you know she's gotta she's gotta learn a little bit of that you know yeah so I don't, I don't think he will. I think the Browns have a good defense. I mean, I think the Panthers win, but I don't think he fucks them up. By any means. How do you think he's going to play this year generally for the Panthers? I, I think somewhere in between the last two years. Like, I think he's a steep upgrade over Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, whatever the hell else they were throwing out at quarterback last year. PJ. Not PJ Walker. Um, and, and I do think, like, his year last year, you almost throw the tape out the window. It was not health like it was 100 percent health related because he was fine gets hurt gets hurt again gets hurt again and then like and then turns into a pumpkin you hear that so, you've thrown out the last year and a half throw it out. Baker t- you threw out the end of 2020 because it was cold 
in a bunch of games. You gotta throw that tape out. You gotta throw out 2019 because Freddie Kitchens was there. You gotta throw out 2018 because the Browns were terrible and they're, you know, whatever. So there's like four games since Baker came into the league that we could actually evaluate. Is that what is that what you're saying? I know that's what you're saying because he's agreeing with you on last year. I'm not saying it's helpful. I'm just saying that in order to fairly evaluate the man, you should probably toss out a lot of the games that are yeah. clearly skewed. Yeah, no one else has played hurt or had weather issues or had bad coaches or had bad offensive lines. We're going to throw every Baker game except the one game he came off the bench on Thursday Night Football and led that incredible win and looked like the next hero in Cleveland. Also, By the way, he still Mr. is Jackson. a hero in Cleveland. He was the starting quarterback for a playoff team the first time since 94 i'm also not saying you don't do it for other people i'm just saying for baker there was a large chunk throw it all out large chunk of that man's career that clearly isn't he's He's basically a rookie we're going to learn about baker this year until the until the left tackle till icky can't block anybody and it's like well we can't throw it wait till next year we'll we'll evaluate baker Uh, in 23 i think he's good enough receivers to get by probably better receivers than he have had in uh, cleveland probably maybe like ever in cleveland i like like this carolina fans receiving court to be honest so I, of, I think he ends up their defense ends up somewhere around 15th 16th best quarterback in the NFL then they're a playoff the caliber team I mean it's that drastic it's you know, eight, Sam nine, Donald nine, being yeah. 30th or 32nd at yeah. quarterback in all the backups versus they're they're a, they're a team um, another player that we could have mentioned with the sort of second or third year breakout people from preseason do you think that Justin Fields has taken a big enough jump that he is going to drag the Chicago Bears to respectability just by force of will and talent? I don't, just because of the sacks. Because I don't think he's improved upon that part of his game. If he had a good offensive line, sure. But he doesn't. It does and look, though, that the Bears' offense is going to do some of that for That they him. know that they have that offense. Yeah. That, that they're scheming... They know with they express know that, intent. Right. They know that they have a bad offensive line, and they know that Justin Fields isn't great at doing that in the middle of a pocket that's yeah. collapsing. So let's move. Let's get him on the run. Let's roll him out. Let's mm-hmm. condense this thing into half-field reads. Let's just reduce the number of plays where he can get sanked. Yeah. Boots, mask, protect. Like, he's probably going to lead the league in time to throw, yeah. purely schematically. Right. Like, the, anyone would lead the league in time to throw to based on what they were doing in preseason. So they know... They know kind of that limitation, but like it's still tough to run an entire offense based around just that. Like there are times where, you know, two minute drills like that uh, that doesn't fly. I mean, even and there's just not enough talent. There's not enough talent around. To, people, when people evaluate Shanahan quarterbacks, they're like you got to see him throw on the move. It's like they literally do it two to three times a game. Like they literally roll him out two to three times a game tops. No one called Matt Ryan a good throwing on the move quarterback before he was in that offense. Yeah. I mean, they even did it with Peyton. I mean, that didn't yeah. go well. But anyway, yes. I think Super Bowl. It is encouraging, though, with Fields. He had he had some high highs last year. You know, Steelers game, Monday Night Football. He had some high highs. He had some low lows, though. You mm-hmm. know, and, it, and, and again, it always comes down to the consistency factor. But even if they do a little bit better schematically for him, I am I am interested in this whole Bears it's, rebuild because they tore it down. Yeah. Right? And, and that's like... Like when you're playing Madden, it's kind of fun to like tear it down and build it back up again. I mean, they're going all in on it. So you get to see what they believe in and what where they're going to put their focus. You know, we talked about the stuff you can get from preseason, the stuff you can. It's really dangerous when you start to get into the territory of, you know, a guy looks more comfortable because last preseason, Zach Wilson looked the most comfortable rookie quarterback. And as soon as the, the real game started, he looked like he was drowning out there. But Fields in year one, felt like everything was done by pure instinct and just getting by and just figuring it out, hope, ad-libbing, making something happen mm-hmm. and hoping for the best. In preseason, this time around, 
he just felt more poised and comfortable with the entire offense and it was like he was running the offense rather than just trying to survive and make a play and if that translates into the regular season I still think the supporting cast around him kind of stinks but you know you talked up Cole Komet I think you're right he's looked pretty good Darnell Mooney does look very good as much as it's still a little bit of a projection now there's just enough there where if he's taking a big leap like the Bears might be okay there's enough there to evaluate him yeah properly I don't think it's so bad like I don't think it's as bad as you know like the Dolphins situation last year with Tua where it's like I don't even know like I, I can't even struggle to call that an offense with what they had to run to get around their limitations offensively and the talent limitations so I, I think they'll at least be able to run some stuff offensively that you can evaluate now is it going to look you know is it going to be evaluate them on the stat sheet no it's just like I, I don't think statistically it'll look like what you'd expect you know a massive breakout to look like but I do think you can still break out and look much better in this offense and, and perform to a degree that you're like okay this is our guy going forward and sells to the coaching staff do you have more NFL questions? Yeah, but feel free to jump in anytime. I had something I wanted to discuss. What do you By the way, I, I just I just want to apologize to the chat because they pointed out mom and dad were fighting and poor Mike's over here, you know, in the in between. I'm used I was to yelling that. at you. I apologize. It. I apologize. Um, so this week, the Vikings released two 2021 third rounders, right? Kellen Mond and Wyatt Davis. Two two draft picks. They got both of those draft picks in the Jets trade. Um, and at the time, I was very complimentary of the trade and the process. And I, and I, you liked Wyatt Davis as a player. I know he's had injuries and yeah, all that stuff. His knees never. I just want to go back through that really quick. The Vikings traded down. They, I think they cut all three of them. Chad Surratt, I think, was also cut. Yeah, was was he a part of the trade, too? Uh, no, but he no. was third round. He was another they third cut round. the entire third round. I'm just thinking they, the two players that they specifically got in the Vera Tucker trade, they, they, they got rid of. Mm-hmm. So they traded down to, what, 23? From 14 to 23, um, the Vikings. They trade from 14 to 23. They get Christian Darasaw, and then in the, the two third-rounders, Wyatt Davis and Kellen Mond. The Jets traded all the, those three picks and moved up. They may have gotten one more pick in there, too, the Jets. But they traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker. And I was complimentary of the process because mm-hmm. I was like, hey, you're going to get a comparable player at 23, and you're, you're, you get two free third-rounders. Now, the third-rounders obviously were terrible, and they're already released. Um, but I still think the process was good. Am I wrong in agreeing with the process and not even and not saying because I you know you know I'm not even worried about people calling me out on Twitter or anything like that. But I think the process is still good. They got Christian Darrisaw, who by the way had the exact WAR number as Elijah Vera Tucker last year. Christian Darrisaw and Elijah Vera Tucker are comparable starters. So the Vikings traded down, got a comparable starter, and picked up two third rounders. Now they didn't work out. Most third rounders don't. But over time, if you accumulate third-rounders, you'll hit on some stuff. So I'm just uh, I'm complimenting the Vikings' process. Obviously, the picks didn't work out. But I think, I think that's an example of the trade was still right by the Vikings. And I'm not saying it was wrong for the Jets necessarily, but the Vikings still made out fine. I would say they got the better offense lineman based off of the rookie years, based off of what I heard from camp, and based off tackle versus guard value. Yeah. Um, process was great they just you know if they trust the pff draft board they would have gone davis mills over kellen oh. oh you know like they, there's the the draft board said after the trade that they did not draft well in the selections they made in that third round so like that talent oh. value, it always comes back talent evaluation the more swings of the bat at talent evaluation 
the more chances you get to get a good player, you just still have to be evaluated. I think it was be un- able to evaluate yeah, talent. It was unquestionably the fewer right, chances. the right move. I think for the Vikings. The only yeah. time I would disagree with that concept of process because you got the better of it in picks is when you're trading a veteran player because there's a level of certainty that doesn't mm-hmm. exist when you're talking about the rookies like Darasol versus Elijah Vera Tucker that could have gone in any direction it could have been a massive win for the Jets if Vera Tucker was amazing and Darasol sucked could have been the exact opposite and everybody is guessing at that point whereas the other one is you know the Bears versus the Raiders the analytics the data says the Raiders should make that trade every single time but the things that happen afterwards is the reasons you don't necessarily because you know that Khalil Mack is a superstar. You are trading. There's there's value in the certainty that he's awesome versus the complete unknown of you might suck at drafting the, his replacements. The Raiders issue in that example is that they added more pieces of uncertainty by drafting people who were not supposed to go at that time. Yeah, I mean, based they, off every they other consensus worse. board. Right. They should not have drafted Cleveland Furl at three, but actually, Jonathan you, Abram in the first round, when you Josh look, Jacobs in the first round. When you look at okay, the Raiders have made an all-time balls of drafting in the first round over the last however number of years. But if you actually look at the players they would have taken if they'd just gone by the consensus board, it's not that good. Like it's not, you know, you, you can obviously cherry pick and you go, well, if you actually got the Pro Bowl player that went in the third round, you could add this, you know? Sure. But if you actually went with the consensus board when the times the Raiders have been drafting, the whole, it's better. I mean, obviously it's better than like, you know, guys in jail and guys getting cut, but it's not as good as you think it would be. So, you know, there is, there is value to the certainty of veteran players. I think that's different from the Vikings-Jets trade where like everybody involved is an unknown quantity. I love how people in the chat think you sound Canadian now. That's awesome. Oh, it's a rough. It's a rough. There's some. There's some like 2013 PFF NFL podcast out there still, or like old. What yeah, it, like there's like it's like a, you know it's like Neil's memorial upstairs. You know, there's there's evidence that I used to sound Irish at some yeah, point. Yeah, you sounded really Irish at yeah. one point. Now you're just pretty much Canadian. It's 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 that guy from the Golf Channel. You know, where people hear him and it's like, where the hell is that guy from? That's just a mess of an accent. Yeah. That's that's what I got. We're right like now. half Minnesota, half Canada. Yeah. Um, all right, Mike. You were, you know, patting yourself on the back for what would have happened if they just used the PFF draft board. I want to refer you mm. to comments you made at the time of the draft when you referred to the Davis Mills pick as just setting on fire a draft pick. I still stand by it. I was going to say, have you changed your tune in any way, shape, or form since Davis Mills has oh, been taking NFL snaps? Well. It's you a look, question. You can't disagree with a question. I'm going to disagree. Well, because he's he's going to he's doubling down. Okay. On his take. Right. Yeah, I, I still think it is because I think it's going to stop them from drafting a quarterback at some point. Now they got lucky to a degree, and there wasn't a strong quarterback class this year. There was no one to draft anyway. So like, yeah, they weren't going to get a quarterback, but he's going to look okay this year, and they're going to talk himself into a third year of Davis Mills, despite there being not a ton of evidence to. And he didn't look good this preseason. Mm. Not a ton of evidence to the point of him ever being like a high-end quarterback. You know, like like Daniel Jones. There's where's the evidence? Where's he ever put on tape that he can be a top ten quarterback in the NFL? Didn't do it in college. Hasn't done in the pros. I think that's how I feel pre-season. about da- one that game, first one pre-season. first preseason. That, that's where you're pointing. Everybody apologized. Okay. Yeah. So like that's why I thought it's lighting a pick on fire because. Yeah, it could. It, he could work out. It obviously could turn into a franchise quarterback. There have been, what is it, three over the last 15 years that have worked out, whether it's Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, outside the first round. I think that's Andy it. Dalton. Russell Wilson. Russ. There you go. Four. And Dalton still th- counts. Dalton good. doesn't count. 
<laughs> Dalton's the exact thing I'm chasing. I'm saying right here. If he turns into Andy Dalton, that's lighting the pick on fire because you're not doing, you're, you're not getting to the place you want to go with Andy Dalton. You're talking yourself out of other quarterbacks that could have been the guy for you. Okay. And that's what I worry about with this pick is that they're going to continue to do that. To me. And give them every chance to fail because they have no one else, no other options. I think the chances are they just see what he has this year and then move mm-hmm. on. I do think, though, that he's the way he plays is dangerous in terms of that, in terms of it could trap them into buying. Because he is he's that Jameis Winston, volatile. He makes just enough really big plays and offsets yeah. him with enough really terrible plays that if you're looking at this... We just cut down on yeah, the yeah. bad. You can talk yourself into, hey, he's capable of these really incredible plays. And if we just stop him throwing the ball to the defense every two minutes, we're, we're getting somewhere. So if you come through this entire season and, like, the situation around him still isn't great, you know, he's made a bunch of big-time throws and a bunch of turnover-worthy plays, there's going to be a group of people in that building that are arguing for, hey, if we just fix the offensive line, if we just get him one more receiver, if we go to work on the cutting down the mistakes thing, we've got a quarterback here, and that's where it becomes a problem. So you're getting into the psychology of the pick, mm-hmm. whereas I just, um, I don't completely neglect that, but, you know, I kind of push it inside and said, okay, theoretically, even Kellen Mond in the third round, that same draft, you cannot waste a third rounder on a quarterback because the payout could be incredible. Even if he becomes a good backup, the payout is still worth it in the third round Jalen Hurts is the other guy by the way in the second round who could be the could be could turn into a valuable starter right we're still waiting on him and I thought Jalen Hurts was a good pick at the time not even because I love Jalen Hurts just because it's like he becomes a good backup or becomes a player that you trade or okay maybe you lose a second round pick and it's not worth it but the payout is incredible turns out the psychology of the thing turned into this domino effect of Carson Wentz felt bad and they had to trade him and this whole thing, right? So, that, I mean, that stuff does exist, but I don't think you can waste picks on quarterbacks because if you miss, you miss. You're going to miss You're gonna miss mm-hmm. on quarterbacks the same way you're going to miss on tackles and safeties and the whole thing. But the payout of, of hitting on a quarterback is so incredible. Um, but you have to stay disciplined, though. And that's, I think, what you're pushing back yes. against. So maybe the Texans won't stay disciplined. You have to stay it's... disciplined to say, I'll continue to take quarterbacks yeah. and and not buy into like mediocrity I think probably... and, and the thing is if there was a quarterback this year I don't think they were taking one right and is, which was the worry like the, the, yeah. the reports were and obviously maybe that was after they had evaluated this it was quarterback probably class. based on who they saw but if, if there was I don't know so, I think it was well, probably like, the Malik Willis pick is incredible for the Titans yeah, but I think yeah. it was probably also they hadn't really started the project yet you know because it was so late in the day by the time they got rid of Deshaun Watson and got all the trade collateral for him mm-hmm. They hadn't really like they don't I don't think they wanted to put a quarterback there until they'd at least built something for the thing to function. And Davis Mills can be the sacrificial lamb for one year until they get a few pieces around him. And then next year they can put a quarterback in there. And we're not immediately setting that guy up for failure. The I think it comes down to, though, I mean, look, yeah, always take a swing on a quarterback because who knows, you might stumble into Russell Wilson. Everything's golden. Uh, I think it kind of comes down to, though, you're you're draft eval on the guy like the reason i hated the davis mills pick is i was like there's almost zero percent chance that guy within his range of outcomes probably does not exist a starting high level nfl quarterback therefore there's just no point in this pick um and obviously the texans felt different but i you still kind of see the same thing it's like i don't there's so much bad that it's almost impossible to see a world where he eliminates all of that and you end up with a high-level quarterback. That's the thing. It's like he probably could t- turn into a top 32 starter, like one of the 32 stars in the NFL. Yeah, but that's no I, longer at the I don't think that, the exactly. Target. That's, 
that's talking yourself then out of that's you know you can turn Iota, it in, that's Andy Dalton Jones yeah. all those guys that like people want to move one on of the 32 from. best starters sure Trubisky the starters line. 18 through 32 do nothing for you yeah. at yeah. the NFL level you, you and it's are, even higher than that now because like you look at a team like Philadelphia maybe Buffalo has a better roster than the Eagles top to bottom but Philadelphia is probably two or three, yeah. and yet they could end up making the postseason. And if Jalen Hurts isn't markedly better than he was a year a year ago, they're going to get bounced by any of the other teams that are legitimate contenders because those teams have a good roster and an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if Jalen Hurts is just like number ten, that doesn't cut it anymore. You need to be top. You know, you need to be capable of top five play in, in a given week. And I don't know that he is yet. I want to. I want to wrap it up. Do you have any other questions? Uh, Well, I was just going to ask about the NFC East. So what do you make of what the Eagles have done this offseason and what Dallas has done and how that changes the balance of the division? Yeah, Eagles, I thought, did a great job of kind of they were in cap, bad cap situation, you know, after the COVID year. A lot of teams were. I I thought they did a great job finagling around that. Now they're kind of still going to pay for it at some point with some dead cap here in the upcoming years, but did a great job of reloading. And obviously that starts with like drafting well, too. So very impressed with how Roseman's done, but again, it comes back to quarterback. Jack Dak Prescott versus Jalen Hurts, and now I'm curious to see how Dak fares without Tyron Smith because throughout his career, he's turned into a different quarterback when he hasn't had Tyron Smith. Um, so that's obviously and Amari a big Cooper. Word. Yeah, I mean, since they have, they've had Amari Cooper since middle of 2018. Those splits are mm-hmm. pretty distinct. Yes, so that that one's going to be interesting to watch. I feel a lot less comfortable with them after losing those two guys. I still think they're the best team in the division but eagles are probably the best roster in the division outside of quarterback it's about the odds are now i think they're tied right they're like joint favorites at this point yeah. it was dallas by a long way earlier in the offseason has moved philadelphia's way i think the closer we get to the season it's gonna end up philadelphia will be the betting favorite those are incremental moves i mean we're talking about like the cowboys lost starters and the Eagles added quality starters, like left and right. I mean, that was... And just kept going. Like, every going. every phase of the offseason, they've added somebody that should be a useful addition to that offense, whether it was big-money free agent Hassan Reddick, whether it's the draft, and two different ways in the draft, right? Trading for A.J. Brown and adding Jordan Davis. Cam Jurgens probably won't be a feature this year, but Nicole mm-hmm. Dean could be. Yeah. Um, and then later on the process oh the giants cut james bradbury yoink we'll grab that and then oh the saints are going to cut chauncey gardner johnson or they're trying to get rid of him so they don't have to pay him we'll grab that you know steal of a trade there they they've added a player every step of the way and yet dallas if anything have sort of hemorrhage talent at every step yeah the, the off seasons for those two have been whew, just like arrows pointing distinctly opposite directions and, and it was like eagles are exploiting kind of what we would call the market inefficiencies for roster building, which are players cut by other teams because their cap hits were too high. They're still good. They're still good, but not $20 million a year good. Right. And players that their team wants to get rid of because they're not going to resign them and wants to get anything back from. Like the, 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 you know, fourth, fifth rounders are throwaways by actual like draft perspective, by draft value perspective. That's not, the amount of guys that hit at that rate is so low that if you can get anything, any guy that can start for your football team at that rate for what they're having to pay CJ Garden Johnson this year, you should do it in a heartbeat. Plus, plus draft night, I'm like, who who's coming out of the first round happier than the Eagles? By just getting, forget it, even if they didn't have Jordan mm-hmm. Davis, but just by having A.J. Brown. You know, could the, is there a better move that the if the Jaguars had a choice between AJ Brown and twenty five million dollars or Trayvon Walker 
at, at first overall, I would take A.J. Brown in $25 million. Every pick along the way in the first round, I would take A.J. Brown in $25 million because I'm, yes, I'm blinded by receivers and great receivers and all that stuff. I just thought that was a great way to come out of the first round for the with the Eagles, and they and they also got Jordan Davis. So I know it doesn't matter a ton, but last year at this time, we were sitting there looking at the Eagles and their cap situation and the talent turnover, and it felt like they were stretching this 2017 Super Bowl team as long as they could go. And it was like, well, this is a two-year rebuild. And it was really a one-year rebuild. They made the playoffs last year, and they made themselves better. So I, I've been really impressed. I think you hit, hit the nail on the head, too, on how they're – and it's adding these pieces at the right time on the cheap. It's also a great example of how you can hedge at quarterback and kick um, collateral into future years for precisely opportunities like that. You know, the Eagles could have deployed a ton of first round picks, you know, or a ton of draft capital previously. And instead, they've been trading into the future years so that all of a sudden they roll up and then go, oh, A.J. Brown's available. Yes, we'll have that for a first round pick and still be able to grab a guy like Jordan Davis. Like it, the Eagles have done. I think a really great job of team building over the last several years and a lot some of the moves they made have been unlucky and just haven't worked out but all of a sudden they're catching a few break in their direction and it looks great now imagine if they just drafted Justin Jefferson over uh over Jalen Rager Hmm. yeah and that's that's it no I think the Eagles have done a they've done a great job there uh there was one did you have anything else to ask man you just you came prepared I mean look it's the NFL season's about to start there's questions all over the place I want I want to get if you're done (laughs) <laughs> I do want to get Renner's predictions. I, are you allowed to give your predictions here, or do yeah. we have to like tease, talk, and ball for you? No, I, I can give some predictions. Okay, I want to get your season predictions, but first, I need to remind people that PFF now has an app. Mm-hmm. After several years of mm-hmm. people asking, "Where's the app? Where's the app?" Many years. Well, it's in your app store. PFF is now in your app store with industry-leading fantasy football advice, exclusive betting dashboards, the latest premium football analysis, all in the palm of your hand. The app is free to download and use right up until the 2022 season starts and when you sign up please just leave us a five-star review with your super bowl prediction we're, prediction we're about to get mike renner's super bowl prediction all we want you to do is go in download the app leave your super bowl prediction with a five-star review and the final score and then we'll share the best ones on the show so we'll take a look we'll scour them we'll have our people scour them we'll, we'll give the best super bowl predictions right here on the show so check out the pff app in your app store all right, Mike, give us um, – I want one big storyline for the season, if you can think of that. What's the biggest storyline or a storyline you're interested in or watching this year and then your your season prediction, Super Bowl? I think there's a, probably three storylines that I would highlight. One is just the AFC. It's – I don't think I've ever seen a conference top to bottom as loaded as the AFC and just how east, north, west – shake out i mean there's going to be very good teams at home in january so that one, that one's very interesting to me two is the second year quarterbacks hyped up that class all year long all draft season only to fall flat in their face come season come season one you know what are they going to look like um and then three is i just think the proliferation of offensive and quarterback talent around the nfl like are there going to be any good defenses? Because there's so much, everyone kind of has a guy now, at least that they have hope at the quarterback position. There's so few teams that really are bereft of complete offensive talent that you're going to be like, this offense is going to suck. There's probably, you can count them on one hand. And usually going into the season, that's like a dozen that you're saying. So is it going to, you know, what's going to be the deciding factors for a lot of these teams? So those are the three things that I'm very interested to see. If, if year two quarterbacks do take that leap, 
then what you're saying is absolutely true, right? How yes, many, yeah, right. That's... How many teams, like if Zach Wilson is better and uh, Fields Trevor and Lawrence is better and Justin Fields is better, how many teams really don't like their offense? Now, Fields has a tough situation. or mm-hmm. Lawrence does you too. Know, Mariota's got a tough situation, I think, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So, Lawrence has a tough situation relative to the rest of the league. But if those guys take big steps forward, yeah, it is an offense-heavy league maybe this year before we get into injuries and the whole thing. Did you have any other questions, though? Do you have any other stuff you want to bring no, up no, before get, the Super Bowl prediction? We can get his prediction. All right, Mike, who's going to win the Super Bowl? And uh, what's the Super Bowl? And, and give us a score. Green Bay Packers. Score. Of course. Over score. the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It's going to be semi-low scoring. I'll go something like 21-17. Like 9-6. to 21 <laughs> Packers over the Bills. Packers over the Bills. Best defense since they won the last Super Bowl. That's all it takes. Green Bay getting to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl is... What does their wide receiver group look like this yeah, year? Talk about the pack as a. We, we don't always good. have Packers ownership in the, in yeah, the room. It's here. true. As you say, you're talking to a G, when you said you're talking to a GM. I scoffed. I'm like, well, you're talking to owner. Oh, right yeah, now. I have an owner. We, we don't always <laughs> talk to uh, ownership here. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the Packers, their offseason, and their and their prospects this year? The way the well, no, simply how are they getting the Super Bowl with that wide receiver room? Is the question. Their Devontae Dobbs and, and the fact that Aaron Rodgers guarantees you some caliber of offense that's top 15 in the NFL and they have and Aaron Rodgers with once healthy top three offensive line in the NFL I mean that 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 offensive line when healthy is maybe the best pass protecting offensive line in the NFL at least you could probably say that which is yeah maybe guys can't get open right away but if you have three and a half seconds with Rodgers guys will get open enough and I trust Matt LaFleur's scheme around that talent deficiency he deserves that credit for what he's done the first three years there in Green Bay so that would be my sales pitch. Like, yeah, maybe they're not the top three offense they were the last two seasons, but I don't think they're going to have to be with how good this defense is. So. We, we, okay, but we just finished saying how, you know, like the NFL is absolutely stanked to the brim with offensive talent, and it might not even be possible to be an elite defense anymore because sure. everybody's got an offense that can light you on fire. And in response, on the other side of the ball, you don't have anybody to get the ball to. That feels like it could be a problem. I, I, will, I will say that it's not like no. Sammy Watkins is still competent. Their running backs For are very good. Watkins competent. Romeo Dobbs like could be could legit dude as a rookie. Could save them. Um, I'm not going to hype up Alan Zard at all. I know he's not good. So uh, yeah, that's. But it's Rodgers is the other thing. Keep going back to it. The it's only Rogers. concern though is that the last time Rodgers didn't have. An elite number one wide receiver. He had yeah. a grade of seventy five. Yeah, what was two that? Seasons, yeah. And the two seasons either side of that, he was above ninety. Yeah. What do you think about his, like his career progression too, right? I mean, it, he wasn't bad. He wasn't mm-hmm. it, this weird dynamic where the PFF grade was better than all of the other advanced analytics until twenty twenty mm-hmm. and then it, they matched up again. It was like the grade was excellent, the results were excellent. Those two yeah. years with Matt LaFleur. But then you have the age factor as well. Every other quarterback besides Brady has dropped off at 39 or 40 years old. Do we see any of that with Rodgers at this point? Or is he another one that's going to buck the trend and play for a few more years at a high level? I think he will. I don't think he's dropped off in terms of arm or accuracy. Now, you buy into like the cleanse and all that stuff, right? He had a good cleanse in April. So he's, I, you know, I do think his mindset is different. Ayahuasca. Like yeah. he did have a change of mindset in 2020. What, whether that was ayahuasca related or not, <laughs> only he knows. But like he, he did. It was obvious on tape, and it's something like that everyone who had watched him throughout his career from about 2015 through 20, early 29, or through like 2019 with that kind of blip at the end of 2016 when he got pissed off um, and started just throwing the ball over yard and ended up making the championship game somehow. That, like, 
every stretch outside of that, he had changed the way he played. And then kind of that reverted back, and he's won back-to-back MVP since then. So I, I do, I do buy into the change that even if he doesn't have guys who are getting open, he's still going to put the ball accurately where it needs to go. Now he might not have big windows, but he's probably the most top three accurate quarterback in NFL history. So that's still buying into that. Well, there you go. Packers are back. It, some people are they're mad in the chat. They're mad at Mike's Super Bowl prediction. So if yeah, bring your own. I mean, it's what the chat's for. Bring your own Super Bowl prediction, and then uh, smash the thumbs up button. There you go. Smash the thumbs up button. Fifty-seven yeah, people there. so far have hit like. That's just not enough. Yeah, like we should be at three hundred. We should be at four hundred sixty-five. That's how many people are sitting here right now. There we go. Watching us right now. Four hundred sixty-nine now. That's four more. Now likes. it's cooking. Four more likes. Four hundred sixty-nine uh, thumbs up mm-hmm. on the uh, on the YouTube channel. Minimum. Here. So. Anyway, Mike, tell everybody where they can listen to your uh, to the new show, Talking Ball. Talking Ball, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I, I, I believe. I don't know. I go to Spotify or Apple. <laughs> it's podcasts. probably on everything. But, yeah. You know, Spotify, Austin Gale, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. He's over there. R.I.P. Just like coaching up Joe Rogan and everything, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah. He's, I'm sure he's got some like one on ones with Rogan. I bet Joe needs the help. You got some action minds. for you on That's your next quite... show here. Him and Joe Rogan on a podcast would be. Wow. I don't think they'd be able to coexist. Could you Austin, imagine? Joe Rogan wouldn't Joe get, would get need, a word in. Yeah, well, Joe would need to medicate him with something. You yeah, know, just He's to slow just him down Rogan to the point. Questions yeah, and Austin's just firing off. Like it's, hey, have you tried some of this stuff? You know, and then Austin, no, no, no. Eventually, you get three or four <laughs> enough drugs into his system, then it, then we can slow him down to a level where there's a, a meeting of equals in terms of frequency of speech. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'd watch it, though. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I would watch that, too. And uh, Austin Gale was your first, your first uh, guest. Just he was. to, like, make people yeah. even more sad. <laughs> your first guest on Talking Ball. But, but my last question here. You're going to monologue some of this thing? You're monologuing some of it and having guests? Like, how much are you doing on your own here? That is a challenge. I mean, it's me for an hour of the show. Now, Quinn, producer Mike Quinn, jumps in for some segments where we, we do, like, some power rankings. He'll give his takes. We do some would-you-rather stuff where he gives his takes. But, you know, when we get into that analysis, it's like it's like a one-man radio show. Yeah. You know, you listen to Jim Rome, you listen to Colin Coward. It's going to sound similar yeah. in terms of just pacing and how the just, show works you just compared yourself to uh, Jim Colin, Rome, Coward, Colin well, Coward Mike yeah. Renner it, it will sound and I'm not sure if I want to sound similar to those guys but I was trying to yeah. give some embrace you know, my player comps no no we embrace we all player comps are always like the high end yeah. like you're always like mm. who's a player comp one man radio Patrick show. Mahomes everyone gets the Mahomes comp every year yeah. that's the, my Mahomes comp you're the next Colin Coward yeah. is what you're saying no we embrace you know being able to compare without equating here we, we embrace that yeah but now we can't think of a Who's just a shitty average? Well, they usually get canceled. Who doesn't want so, like, if, yeah. if this thing gets canceled in a year, we'll know. It'll be the Renner. It'll be like, there's Jim Rome and Colin <laughs> Cowhart, and then you don't want to be Renner. One-man show gets cut. We'll see. We'll give it a few months here. Who did a one? Who's like a one-man show? Was it Clay Travis? Does he do, did he do a one-man? I don't know. I'm trying to think of one-man radio shows. All I know is Vin long. Scully would announce baseball games by himself, yeah. and they never got boring. He was incredible. And it was baseball. Yeah. Vin, Vin was, a, was the man. Be the next Vin Scully, Mike. Go get him. Go check out Talking Ball wherever you download podcasts or right here on our YouTube channel. Um, next week, we, we have to do our own predictions, Sam. Yeah, we're getting there. Probably do that next week, right? Uh-huh. Leading into the season. Next week is game week. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again here on Monday.